This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Breber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we have two more awesome basketball games to react to, break down for you all. We're going to be talking about both conference finals, latest iterations, but we're going to start with what we just saw. Game two, Logan, the Nuggets come up with another win at home, go up 2-0. What did you take away from this game? I just came away from this game feeling like the Lakers really should have won it and had to win this one. I mean, we can start with what this means moving forward in the series. Nuggets take both of these at home, keep home, uh, you know, home court advantage moving forward in these playoffs. We know how big it is to steal a game on the road, but you look at what happened in this game and you just have to be disappointed that the Lakers didn't pull it out. This is a bad Jokic game by his standards, you know, not... Uh, dominant in the traditional sense where he's knocking down everything, where the offense is just free-flowing and eating. Now, credit to the Lakers and how they played Jokic, but just was not a dominant game by Jokic's standards. You don't have a great Aaron Gordon game. You don't have a great KCP game, a great MPJ game, and Murray was really struggling until the fourth quarter. You also do away with a big Austin Reeves performance, 22-3-5 on 8-16, 5-9 from deep, and Roy having another monster game. I think they have to keep giving him minutes Maybe start him, maybe give him, I mean, I think 30-plus minutes a night. I think Hachimura needs to be out there 21-piece. And late, Carson, you really see the ease of offense and the perimeter quality shot making late. I mean, that was a huge difference. Murray's turned around 14 points, 5 of 17 and 2 of 9 in the first three quarters. Gets one to go, 23 points in the fourth quarter, 6 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep and 7 of 8. But this is a big stain on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I mean, they just have to be better point blank. I thought Anthony Davis was good defensively for most of this game, but offensively, I mean, really, really struggles. 4-15 from the field, 18 points, 14 boards, uh, 4 assists. Just 
415 from the field, man, he's got to convert more. He's got to be more imposing down there on the low block. He just has to convert more shots. And then LeBron, stat-wise, is okay. But, I mean, bad decision-making, some bad turnovers, bad shot selection here at the end of this game. And he smokes some layups uh, throughout this game. And I just thought... That really bad stretch in the third quarter, you see the defensive effort and the engagement kind of leave the Lakers, and while that effort and engagement leaves, so does the reliable offense, and that is what really frustrated me and confused me the most. The Lakers did something in this game, did a couple of things that I thought would really lead to easy offense, and the Nuggets didn't really adjust. That was the high LeBron pick and roll was leading to easy offense, Jokic dropping, having something there in the lane where LeBron can just get downhill and go attack. I mean, it looked easy, and then they go away from it late. I don't get, I get one or two possessions late in this game, and the bigger thing to me is why you're not running more pick and roll with D'Lo, with Schroeder, with any of these guys who are good pull-up jump shooters on this team against Jokic's man late. The Nuggets were consistently running drop in this game, Carson, and I don't know how you don't when your offense is sputtering. I mean, completely sputtering. You're not getting anything to go. To me, that was the key, is running more pick and roll against Jokic's man. If he's going to run drop, uh, I'll mention one of Carson's favorite stats in basketball history. Chris Paul averaged 11 mid-range points per game uh, against Jokic uh, when they matched up in the uh, Western Conference Finals a few years back. Jokic is... He's not long enough to really recover. And if he's going to give you that, take advantage of it. That mid-range shot is going to be there all day long if Jokic is dropping. And that, to me, was the most frustrating thing is Jamal Murray's going to get hot, right? Jamal Murray, he sees one shot go through, boom, he catches fire. But that's not an excuse for you not to attack what the Nuggets are doing poor defensively. And I also thought it was a bad adjustment too, Carson, from Darvin Ham, not keeping Jared Vanderbilt in this game. I thought he did a tremendous job on Jamal Murray throughout. And then, look, Dennis Schroeder is not a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a really poor game for Murray. And leaving him, he just ate. Uh, so I, this is not a perfect game from either team, and that's kind of why I was more disappointed with the Lakers, man. This one felt like this was a game that they could really easily steal. If LeBron was better, if Anthony Davis was better, and if they leaned into the things that Denver was doing defensively, uh, I wanted to see more LeBron high pick and roll. I wanted to see them attacking Jokic in the drop late, and they just didn't. Uh, and this game really spiraled out of control. And again, man, the defense effort and engagement uh, from the Lakers, from transition stuff early to late in this game when they're just uh, you know, a bunch of poor rotations. Uh, I'm really disappointed in L.A., man. This is a game that I think they needed to steal to win this series, and I'm not as nearly as confident as I was at the start of this series, and I'm not as confident uh, after this game. I think I might <laughs> have to take the Nuggets after this one. That's interesting. I actually don't necessarily agree with a lot of what you've said. First of all, I thought that this was a good LeBron game with the exception of smoking three wide-open opportunities and settling too much like I do agree that he was relying too much on the pull-up three which obviously he found more in that Warriors series but he goes over six in this one and that was frustrating but I did think was manufacturing good looks out of pick and roll and even in a couple possessions in the last couple minutes they create open threes out of LeBron pick and roll again hunting Jamal Murray right running pick and roll with either Reeves or with Dennis Schroeder the last two just happened to be open threes for Anthony Davis in the corner which you'll live with if you're the Nuggets defensively but I thought he was very good in transition again I thought that he had an incredibly impressive level of defensive activity I mean 
hedging out a pick and roll, just closing those passing lanes off to Nikola Jokic. All in all, he had that one incredible read on the Jokic attempted lob to Aaron Gordon that 95 out of 100 times is an easy dunk, and LeBron was aware of the tendency, made an athletic, impressive play. I thought he had his imprint on this game defensively. I thought he ran 18 pick and rolls in this game, which is probably the most we've seen from him this entire postseason. And he did have a bit of a facilitate first mindset, but he created good looks for his teammates. I think if you're going to pin this game on one of the two stars, it is obviously primarily Anthony Davis, but that was just a matter of shot making really. And we know that that's a big reason that he can come and go. It's because he loves his short-range floaters and push shots and his mid-range jumper, and he just had none of that in this game. So he was able to get to the line a decent amount. You know, he had another big rebounding day. He had some really impressive moments as a rim protector, but when he is just that off as a shot maker, it's impressive that they got this close, and it's a testament to Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, those guys continuing to step up and have pronounced impacts offensively. But on the flip side of this, yeah, the Nuggets didn't play their best their best basketball, certainly. The barrage, though, was really impressive, and that is part of what makes this offense so special. It's the reason I think it's without question the best in the league. Yes, they have the best offensive player and, to me, best player alive. I honestly believe Nikola Jokic is right now in the midst of one of the five highest offensive peaks we have ever seen. He is a one-man machine. But it is special to have the ability for any stretch to rely on this insane pull-up jump shooting from Jamal Murray or to just run a handoff for MPJ and know that he's going to hit that three with 40-plus percent efficiency because I don't agree with you that this was a bad Jokic game. I actually thought he was pretty good for most of it. Not defensively. I thought he was just a negative on that end in this one and I wish that he had been more aggressive offensively in that first quarter there were a couple times where he's curling around screens or where he's getting looks out of pick and pop and it's never going to be his instinct to shoot but sometimes it's like yo you're 50% from mid-range you're 40% from deep take the take the open look there were two in this one where he hesitates and then he ends up taking the same look but now it's contested and it wasn't his most spotless game overall as a shot maker he had a couple more instances where he tries to fit a pass in there and it results in a turnover, which I think the Lakers largely deserve credit for, for their defensive level and their length and all that. But the point is that he has special offensive weapons alongside him. And of course he amplifies those guys, but I was scared just for those couple minutes in this fourth quarter where Jokic went to the bench because we saw how disastrous that brief shift was in the second quarter when they sent both Jokic and Murray to the bench. There was a complete lack of offensive direction, and like that, it's a 7 nothing run. They bring Murray in to mitigate the damage a bit, but it's still not ideal. But just to have that stretch in the fourth quarter where Jamal Murray cannot miss, that's really the reason that they won this game. And I don't know that that's something that the Lakers are at all at fault for. So I kind of felt like neither team threw their best punch. Yeah, this is a missed opportunity for the Lakers because they were up for the majority of this game, obviously. You do have a real off night from Anthony Davis, and you have to steal one on the road at some point in this series. But I felt like the Nuggets went out and took this game. And Jamal Murray especially, this is what he's capable of. Pure shot making translates. It always has and it always will, and that's 
the reason that Jamal Murray is one of the biggest playoff risers we've ever seen. He is an unbelievable shot maker with an incredibly versatile array of ways in which he can kill you. He can take you to the post as a bigger guard and knock down those turnarounds. His mid-range pull-up shooting game is sensational. His beyond-the-arc game in every way is sensational, and we saw it tonight in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and I didn't mean to say that this was a flat-out bad performance from Jokic. I think this is a bad Jokic game by his standards, and I think it is because of a few things you laid out, too. I wanted Jokic to be a little more physical, be a little more aggressive. When he gets those open looks on the perimeter, and he did hesitate. I think he had LeBron on him one time where he's like, ah, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to see him impose himself a little more as a scorer when those opportunities present themselves, even if it is a jump shot. Um, and I thought... I was disappointed too, man. I do love the supporting cast, and that is a distinct edge that, again, I still think Denver possesses over L.A. I know that MPJ and Jamal are prone to their bad nights, but at a point, they just it's just easier for them in the tough shot-making department. Late in games, it's just going to inherently be easier because you have a guy like MPJ, because you have a guy like uh, Jamal Murray. The one guy I really was disappointed tonight was Aaron Gordon, man. He looked a little flustered throughout the game. Like, he was hesitant, he was passive, and the biggest thing to me is just shooting those open looks that the Lakers are going to concede to him all day. You need to run that drop. Why? Because in case you need to double Jokic in the post, because if you don't, it's probably going to be an easy bucket. You need to help out on those other shooters coming off of other screens, MPJ, the Jamal Murrays of the world, close out on shooters. But if they're going to drop like that all day, Carson, I think Aaron Gordon just has to take those shots, man. Um, That I was really disappointed with from Denver's side. And I don't know, though, man. I don't... At this point in the series, I just don't... I don't really see the path for L.A., man. I just don't know if their offense is going to consistently be good enough. I know Anthony Davis can be better. I know that LeBron can be better. I I don't know if they can reach the heights that this Denver offense is going to reach, man. And I, I really think that matters. Like, I don't think they can slow them down enough. I think that they should play Hachimura more. I think they should play Vando more, too. I think those are really just big adjustments. They're better wings. They're more versatile. Vando's very, very limited offensively, but he's just a better defender that I think you need to weaponize against these guys. I think those are small things that they can do, but I don't know, man. I've lost a lot of confidence in the Lakers over these last two games. We've seen really good stretches from them, but I, yeah, I, that is where I'm leaning at this point in the series, man. I'm, I'm really disappointed after tonight. Well, I think that Denver is better and they do undeniably have more reliable paths to high-level offensive production and it is really impressive how many guys can step up on any given night like again Bruce Brown has another solid outing knocks down a couple of catch and shoot threes KCP this wasn't his night so you close with Brown and I thought that he played well I agree with you this has not been a good Aaron Gordon series it is not a good matchup obviously because of how much they can turn him into a liability in stretches when they play AD in that Romer role and now he just becomes a spacing negative and it's so much easier to help on Jokic and they're taking away a lot of those passing lanes to Aaron Gordon that are normally readily available like Jokic does not need much man to get that little dump off in Aaron Gordon or to execute those lobs and we have not seen much of that in this series I do want to give props though to some of these Lakers role guys because They continue to step up when you're talking about Rui Hachimura, who I think is so valuable 
in this series, not just because of his ability to play that primary defender on Jokic role that allows you to get AD as the roamer, but because of his offensive skill set, because of the blend of physicality and aggression inside as a finisher, because of his ability to create a really good look for mid-range for himself at a moment's notice, and because of how good of a spot-up shooter he is. So I thought that he continued to establish himself as just such a good valuable rotation piece and it's incredible that they just flipped a few seconds in Kendrick Nunn who wasn't in the rotation for him at the dread at the trade deadline and then Reeves again another dynamic shooting night again we see not as much in this one but he does get a couple good looks from three out of that LeBron pick and roll where he's hunting a guard and they aren't able to recover quickly enough to Reeves or actually one of them late was off of a switch with Aaron Gordon and he still created a look for himself but that guy is just a baller so I look at this and I still think the Lakers are really good. And I think that they've hung in these two games. Obviously, game one was an outlier shooting performance from them. And that was strange because of how down they were early. And Denver let up on the brakes a little bit. And this game, they didn't throw their best punch. But to be in both of those games, given the fact that they didn't play at their highest level against a team that I think is the most consistently great in the field without a question that has the best offense in the field without a question, the best player in the field without a question and a really, really good supporting cast. The Lakers deserve to be here is what I'm trying to say. I don't think they're going to win this series, but I do think there are people who are going to try to discredit this because there Mm -hmm. is a lot of anti Lakers sentiment. They are a team that evokes very strong feelings on either side of the spectrum because They were a seven seed who beat a not-so-good Grizzlies team that was injured, and then the Warriors looked vulnerable with all of Poole and Thompson's misgivings in that series. But this supporting cast that they've built is very real, and the ceiling that LeBron and AD can reach is very real. It just didn't happen tonight. No, they're very, very legit. And again, when this team is locked in, engaged, and giving effort, they're a great team. That was another realm where I think the Lakers – have to improve, and that's just stopping the ball in transition. Mm-hmm. Again, man, it's – we talk about the Celtics, right? We use the Celtics as kind of the measuring stick for teams that shoot themselves in the foot <laughs> because we've seen it so consistently with Boston. And I use them as a reference point because I, again, think that L.A. continues to do this through two games by digging themselves into holes early that are just preventable. Like, again, a couple possessions early can really swing a game – And the Nuggets were so easily able to get turnovers, to push the ball in transition. And it's easy to stop. It's just transition defense is different, right? You don't set up. You don't find your guy, who your matchup is. Your goal is to find a body and to stop the ball. I mean, that's basketball 101. Some guy goes, I got ball, I got ball, and you pick up the guy and stop him from going all the way to the rack. Uncle, bro, when Uncle (laughs) Jeff Green is taking the rock 95 feet coast to coast, there is a problem. It's Jeff Green, dog. Like, he's – I'm as big a Jeff Green guy as anybody else, but it's not 2007 anymore, man. It's not. Like, it, it, what I'm saying is anybody should be able to pick him up and transition and slow him down, and it's an effort thing. It is an engagement thing, and that lull in the third quarter. It's a 12-2 Nuggets run. The Lakers miss nine straight field goals, and it's just time and a time again. I guess that is something that I want to emphasize, too, is I am disappointed in the Lakers once again after game two. But I do feel like, man, if we could just see, we've been saying this, Carson, for weeks now, for weeks. 
LA, can I see you 60 minutes locked in? Can I see 60 minutes of intense effort and engagement? And I really have yet to see it through any game in these playoffs. And that's another example of it where the stretch in the third quarter, they're up on the Nuggets, and it looks like they're going to bury this game and put it away because Murray's having an off night. All these role players are having an off night. They take their foot off the pedal early in this game, just getting out in transition. I, that's one of the biggest adjustments that I think we need to see too is is more Lakers effort, again, in just stopping them out in transition. They got bullied there again tonight, Carson. It's been a real issue for them throughout these playoffs. It's, it's really strange to see from a team that is so good in the half-court struggle like this consistently in transition. And we've seen it all playoffs, as we've touched on time and again. One of my favorite things that Jokic does in transition, first of all, grab and go relentlessly. Like, he is always going to push the tempo. That's where this offense is at its best, as really almost any offense is. But I love how consistently when he sees a bigger guy who has the seal on a smaller guy or really just has a mismatch at all in transition and it's usually Aaron Gordon but tonight there was one instance where it was someone else and he just floats that entry pass with such precision from like any distance and it's just an automatic foul and it's something that he does every game at least once and it's one of so many little things that makes him so incomparably great offensively which is why it's so funny that all of his critics who I think everybody is now seeing a lot of those criticisms were based in nothing just completely miss out on when they say oh it's about the box score it's only people who are box score watching who could think Jokic is so great I mean his ability as a screener right is so invaluable he's so phenomenal there and he just sees and processes the game at another level and really is a couple of touch shots away from having another mm -hmm. 30-point monster triple-double in this one. And again, I thought that defensively he was not as engaged as he needed to be, and I thought that there were a couple points where he was passive and also passive to where he then forced a pass that resulted in a turnover. But he's the best player alive, and I think he just continues to affirm that. So I've enjoyed this series so far, and it's also just great to see the Nuggets again in a playoff setting, like the real Denver Nuggets, not the Monte Morris, Will Barton, or the Facundo Campazzo, Austin Rivers Denver Nuggets that people somehow criticized. The team that has all of these offensive weapons that gels so beautifully and that plays such beautiful basketball. It stuns me so much when people talk about Jokic being boring. I mean, he does several jaw-dropping things every single night. I honestly think him and Steph like make the jaw-dropping plays with the most regularity. Those people who say that just have to not be watching. But the fluidity, the offensive creativity, and the collective IQ, which I think he elevates, just you have to get up closer to his level if you're going to play with him, right? You can't miss those opportunities for cuts off of a Jokic post-touch where he can immediately find you with any window. You can't miss an easy give-and-go to Jokic as a cutter where he's so good. And it's just really fun to see teams playing basketball like that. I think they and the Warriors are the epitome of like fluid, beautiful offensive basketball spearheaded by this generational talent. And with all of the again, discrediting of them that we saw, this is a cool moment. It's a very cool moment for them. Let's flip to the other side. Talk about discrediting, Logan. The Miami Heat just did. <laughs> there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. 
I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And again, they stole game one in Boston. You and I both picked the Celtics. What did you take away from this game? Uh, I'd like to formally thank Jimmy Butler uh, for getting my journalism uh, card revoked um, in this series and throughout this playoff run. Uh, The Miami Heat will not win another game in this first round series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, That was Logan Camden round one. All right, I really thought, Carson, (laughs) Jimmy Butler kind of sunned Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I thought, in this one, man. I really thought he just big-dogged them. Uh, Jason, a friend of the show, Jason Temp, host the Hoops Tonight, also on the volume, had a funny tweet at the end of this game, and he said, you know, Jimmy put the kids to bed. That's exactly how I felt at this one, man. It seemed, again, man, the Celtics kind of feeling like they're a little too small for the moment. And Jimmy Butler has never once felt like that in his basketball stardom career. And he was, again, just bred for this shit, man. He's always ready for the moment and ready to put games away. That's where I want to start is where, you know, Tatum and uh, Brown struggle uh, late in this game. Tatum has two back-to-back travels. Tatum has a bad turnover late where, you know, he he goes to pick up his dribble. It looks like he's going to take a step-back shot just here you go, Jimmy. You can have the ball. Just gives it to him. A bad turnover. And, again, Jimmy is opportunistic in the point that I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive playmaker as good as Jimmy in the anticipatory department where I might notice it on film or watching it in a game where I'm like, oh, Tatum's going to kick the rock over here to Jalen Brown. Butler's already there, and you saw it. I mean, him ball-hawking passing lanes. That one... He does it to JB where he just strips him. There's a Horford pass late in this game where Horford tries to go corner to the top of the key. Jimmy just snipes it and goes in the other direction. Jimmy is one of the best defensive playmakers I've basically, you know, just ever seen. And then again, what I mean with him just taking over is 
Tatum and Brown just struggling to, they don't know what they want to do. You know, Tatum with his back against the wall, we've seen him shine, right, where his jumper's falling and he 50 pieces them, and he can go to that all game long. But when that's not going, when all of his pull-up jumpers aren't falling and everything's effortless, there's a little bit of hesitancy where he doesn't know what he wants to do. Jimmy is going to take you to his spot. He's going to get a screen, and he's going to do his thing. And, yeah, I, I really thought, Carson, that uh, this is a bit of a stain on JB and, and Tatum as well. They have five turnovers combined in the fourth quarter, 10 total in this game. I thought the Celtics just did a poor job of protecting the basketball throughout 15 total uh, turnovers. And I really thought this offense stagnated in the second half. They get back into their bad tendencies, 5 of 16 from behind the arc in the second half. And I just think they need to run more pick and roll. They need to attack downhill. They need to stick to their game plan. And they need to attack the schematic mismatches that they have in this series. In the first half, Carson, they outscore Miami 40 to 16 in the paint. I mean, a bludgeoning. Tatum has 12 points inside. Brown has 10 and you saw it a lot. Jalen Brown getting Gabe Vincent on him, or Max Struess, or Caleb Martin. These are things that you can easily exploit if you're Boston because you have two really strong, capable ball handlers who are great at finishing, great at getting downhill, and that should be your primary focus on offense. Don't settle for threes because, again, in the third quarter, it's one pass. Oh, let me take a catch and shoot three. That's not good offense, man. A Marcus Smart one pass I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Coach Carter, right? The the rule was five times. The ball needs to get kicked around five times before we take a shot. Now, Timo Cruz wasn't really like that. He liked to take one dribble or two dribble and go shoot that ball, but that's that fundamentally, that's not good offense. I don't want Al Horford to get the ball in the corner and then one kick it to Marcus Smart and take a shot. You have things that you're good at, and you have mismatches that you can attack on the floor if you just use a pick and roll or use a screen. Do that, Boston, consistently. Don't settle. And so I think we saw a lot of bad Boston again tonight, Carson. I think we saw them lull their offense to sleep, stagnate, take a lot of bad threes. I think we saw Tatum, who didn't wasn't on the floor for the start of the fourth that I thought was an issue. He attempts four shots in the second half, doesn't attempt a single shot in the fourth quarter, can fade away. So we saw a lot of their bad tendencies. And then I do want to give a lot of credit to um, – Jimmy Butler, again, for what he did in this game, I want to give a lot of credit to Bam Adebayo, too, who was aggressive, was physical. The Celtics were giving him those mid-range touch shots. He was hitting them, and he wasn't hesitant about it. Um, He was much better just about going up hard with the Rock, and I want to give credit to Eric Spolstra, too, man. They called a a timeout immediately in the fourth when the Celtics went on that 4-0 run, or 7-0 run, excuse me, something Missoula didn't do for the entire third quarter. He got 45-piece and decided oh, yeah, we're just going to let my boys get ran here in the third. And in the second half, Spolstra loaded up the paint more. Yes, I was disappointed in Boston not getting downhill more, but with the two-big lineup, they took any non-shooter in the corner, any guy in the corner, they slid that guy down to the baseline, and they loaded up the paint a little more to stop them from taking it away. So I thought a lot of the keys that you laid out, Carson, before this series— Jimmy Butler played better than anybody on Boston. We got great Bam Adebayo. We got great Eric Spolstra schematically. And we got a lot of bad Boston in this game. Um, so, yeah, that's those are really my big takeaways, man. I think Boston can be better, and I expect them to be better. But Miami continues to do the things that win them games, and they continue to stick to their identity, and it works. Absolutely. They did the key heat things that win them so many games, but this really was a tale of two halves. And 
The first half, Boston was clicking offensively largely because of what you mentioned with their willingness to attack the paint, to exploit their advantages in terms of size and athleticism. I mean, they had 40 points in the paint in the first half, which is their most of any game this season. It was Jalen Jason attacking those guards who, as you mentioned, just can't hang with them physically. I thought Tatum was splitting defenders beautifully. He had awesome control in traffic. I thought that they were finishing well against Bam Adebayo, who I thought had a fantastic defensive second half. It wasn't necessarily doing much wrong in the first half. It was just great, aggressive Boston. But, like, everybody was hitting that paint. Brogdon was getting penetration with his quickness. Marcus Smart was making Awesome reads. Nine assists in the first half here. Finding the roller consistently. Making great drive and kick finds. Robert Williams was pretty effective in that first half. If it was second chance opportunities where he had a couple of buckets in the opening minutes or getting good looks off of Bam aggressively helping or being engaged in pick and roll. And again, Smart was making those awesome reads to the roller. They were just cooking, and then Bam went out, and the Heat looked hopeless for that brief stretch in the second quarter. They have three straight possessions, the Celtics, where they just get layups. And so you're at a point where you're up 13. It feels like a beautiful first half from them. And then the third quarter, like everything flips on its head. Now you have a few really dumb Celtics turnovers. As you said, they stop creating the same quality of shots. They stop attacking downhill more. And yeah, the Heat were loading up the paint. But Bam was also pretty consistently parked in the paint in the first half. Maybe it was a little bit more so in the second, but they just stopped trying to create Mm -hmm. penetration. Now, Bam did take a couple things away, took a couple lobs away. All of that is true, but some of that is certainly on the Celtics themselves. And then you have the effort category that we always talk about Miami dominating. Nine second chance points in that third quarter specifically. You have great heat shot making, which we know they're capable of from the perimeter. They go six of nine from deep, and you also have a little bit of overhelping from Boston, not recovering sharply to shooters, so they get some open looks from deep for some really good guys. You have the heat being relatively opportunistic in transition, semi-transition situations. So all of a sudden, this game's entirely flipped on its head, and then you do have a couple good Jalen moments early in the fourth quarter where he's back to weaponizing his athleticism. He's getting good looks in the paint, and then you just have another humiliating demise. Four turnovers in five possessions, three of them by Tatum, all of them by just his own fault, stupidity. Like, his ability to have his court vision at some times look well above average and at other times just disappear is remarkable. Like, that ball that he threw to Jimmy, sure, Jimmy anticipated well, but, I mean, he was right there in the passing lane, and it just basically went to him. He was a caricature of himself, is what I said in that moment. Like, every bad Jason Tatum that you can think of disappearing as a scorer, making horrible decisions with the ball, that's what showed up in the fourth quarter, and it's a reality with this team. I also thought Jalen Brown's six turnovers in this game were inexcusable and honestly I thought Marcus Smart could have dictated more as this game went on because I do think there are times where his playmaking value his ability to get this offense some direction it's just better than bad Tatum and Brown possessions it's something that I've also noticed throughout these playoffs and with the Celtics Carson it's almost like 
at times they have an excess of riches. They're, they have a wealth of creators, but it's in a bad way in the sense that this offense can get directionless and there's not a clear established hierarchy on this team, right? Like we all know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the two best on this roster, but you know, some possessions it's, oh, Derek White wants to take this one. Oh, Malcolm Brogdon wants to take mm-hmm. this one. Oh, Marcus Smart. And so that can be, that can have its negative effects as well, man, where everybody kind of wants to get theirs and everybody wants to create. Obviously, that's an issue that you want to have, right? You want to have a lot of guys who can do everything, but I think it can hurt this team and make them directionless for periods of time in this game. Something that I do think they need to get away from, I think you're right, Marcus Smart has looked tremendous recently too, um, attacking uh, in last series, getting downhill in this one. Sick playmaking, dude. Sick passing. Mark, it's not every game that you see this from Marcus Smart. Something that I do think they need to address rotation-wise, I think we have to see less Robert Williams, and I think we have to see less yep. Peyton Pritchard, man. I thought I thought the Miami Heat were just kind of hunting Rob, and I like Robert a lot, but they were negative 14 in his minutes in this game, and this is courtesy of John Schumann and NBA.com. Celtics were negative 10 in nine minutes with their regular starting five. That's Tatum, JB, Smart, Horford, and Robert Williams. They were plus 11 in 12 minutes with the starting five, sub-Brogdon for Robert. And with Williams on the court, there's just a bunch of stuff that I think the Heat can attack. Uh, He always wants to run drop. That is Robert Williams' go-to. It's just his instinct. And there's not... You know anything inherently bad about that but there's things that Miami can exploit um Jimmy was abusing that switch anytime that Robert got switched on to Jimmy he was attacking it he wanted to get to the mid-range he knows that Robert's gonna fade to the basket that's his tendency and that's something he was attacking you see Lowry Lowry hits two pull-up threes in this game and he hits a mid-range jumper where Robert just doesn't go up on him. If Robert Williams is stepping up on that, that's an easy shot that he can take away. He's just too long. But again, his habit is to drop back. That's what he wants to do. And you saw it consistently with Bam Adebayo in the mid-range, not even contesting shots that Bam is taking. Robin is, is again dropping. And then on the other end, the Heat can trap uh, Boston ball handlers more often without being punished for it. Why? Well, he's not a floor spacer, right? So you're not afraid of him popping out from behind the arc if you double the ball handler and taking a three. He's not a great pick-and-roll decision maker out of the short roll. So even if you do whip him that pass on the low block, he's going to take a minute. He's not going to find that extra guy when the defense is relocating. And see, so yeah, I think we just... I'm not saying take away all his minutes. He can be a valuable guy. He takes away the paint. It is... Point blank, it is just harder for Miami to score at the rack when you have Horford and Williams there. But there's things that Miami can exploit. And with a lot of good pull-up jump shooters, like Strews, like Vincent, like Lowry, like Martin, like Jimmy, uh, anybody that you turn to in that pick and roll, uh, and if you attack Robert Williams' man in that pick and roll, those are easy shots that they can step into all game long. So I'm not saying take him out of the rotation, eliminate all his minutes, but I am saying... Reel back in on him a little bit. We need less Robert Williams, uh, you know, period. I agree completely, and I think the biggest reason is because of how easy it is then to park Bam out of bio in the paint defensively to play that zone. I mean, it's just easier for him to play two guys if it's Robert Williams than if it's Al Horford spacing the floor, and that's why I think we saw Robert Williams not play in the home stretch of this game because even though offensively he did his job well like I said I mean finished well six of six in this game he ends up being a spacing negative it's just 
they're not punishing Bam enough for consistently staying right around the rim. So I think that they have to make that adjustment, and I agree with everything else that you laid out too. Jimmy was awesome in this game, and his ability to hunt the mid-range off of those switches, if it's either a bigger guy who now has to give him a little bit more of that ground because they don't want to get beaten on the drive, or if it's a smaller guy who he can shoot over, either way, it's barbecue chicken for Jimmy Buckets, six of nine for mid-range in this one. Or he was driving, he was drawing help, and he was facilitating beautifully. So he completely, decisively outplayed Jason Tatum, which is a big key to this series. And then the other thing that we talked about, I mean, they forced Boston into mistakes. Seeing a lot of congested paints, they stopped attacking, they stopped making good reads. They completely win the shooting battle from deep 16 of 31 versus Boston's 10 of 29. And yeah, it was awesome shot making, but it was also a lot of open spot up and semi-transition looks. Again, conceding looks to Lowry out of drop. You can't have happen. He also got a couple in those transition situations where Boston's just not precise enough in that scramble. There's just so many things that you look at and you go, okay, what did Miami have to do to win this game? Check. What did Boston have to mess up to win this game? Check. And that's not to discredit this win because those things can absolutely happen again. Like, Miami can win this series. Mm -hmm. I still don't think it's the more likely outcome. But they can win this series, especially with Bam playing at this level where defensively he's always going to be a top five player alive. But like you said, when he is using his physicality to get to his spots, he's got that awesome touch shot making. When he is taking those looks when they're conceded to him, I mean, he's a top 20 player, clearly. So this is a troubling loss for Boston on their home floor. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there's a couple, two more things I want to hit on really quick, too. I think another thing that Boston has to do, Carson, uh, is less Peyton Pritchard minutes. I didn't understand those from Joe Missoula at all. You want to talk about Jimmy attacking small guys? Mm-hmm. It was Pritchard, man. I mean, Pritchard is a defensive liability and something that I've learned throughout these NBA playoffs and my time watching basketball. If you have any defensive liability on the court, good teams are going to hunt that and exploit it, and that's exactly what happened. And then it'd be one thing, right, if – Peyton was this defensive liability that could bring a lot offensively. If he was great out of the pick and roll with great change of pace, all he brings you is really catch and shooting. You know, I mean, he's not creating for himself. So I would just eliminate those minutes. I don't like Grant Williams' minutes either. I think Grant kind of looks like the Michelin man. Um, kind of runs like you always him. have words for Grant Williams. Kind of, kind of runs like him too. I'm not. And Grant they're Williams never nice. <laughs> no, they aren't. Um, but I think you got to give him minutes in this series. At least he can be a little more physical. He's a little better switchable. He gives a little more effort. But I think you hit on something big, Carson. I do not expect the Miami Heat to win this series. I do not think that is the more likely outcome. But there is no team that is more well-equipped to deal with a talent disadvantage than the Miami Heat. Courtesy ESPN Stats and Info, I thought this was uh, crazy. They were outscored in three of the four quarters in this game, right? Miami still wins. Since the 2020 bubble... They have won seven playoff games like that, where they lose three of the four quarters and still win the game. Carson, the rest of the NBA has seven of those games combined. I mean, that just just speaks to the Heat's consistent effort, relentlessness, resilience, perseverance. You just, this is a team that you are never going to be able to kill. The Miami Heat will not go down. They will not put their heads down. They are going to keep pushing, and you just can't put them to sleep, and that is... 
the one advantage that I will give Miami, man, that grit, that intensity. It's how they've won all of their games in these playoffs. It is how they're going to continue to win games in these playoffs. And this is a Boston team that'll put their head down at times. It'll get dejected. That'll, you know, get down on themselves. Miami doesn't do that. They come back, they come back strong, and they never give up, man. They're like, <laughs> they're like prime John Cena, man. They just never give up. Um, Amen. And they have hustle, loyalty, and respect as well. Um, the Heat are just, you can't kill them, man. This is how they win games. They did it again tonight, or last night. It's its crazy. I mean, if there's any team that is going to be able to pull an upset like this, it's Miami. I agree. My expectation, though, is that we see Boston play a lot more five out, a lot less Robert Williams. Hopefully, for their sake, they reach that drive and kick ceiling that we saw. They were able to consistently create penetration early in this game. It just wasn't a very good shooting game for them. It was an unbelievable shooting game for Miami. You have to think some of these things regress to the mean a bit more, and mm-hmm. the talent advantage does materialize. But if it doesn't, then Miami Heat fans, I am sorry. I am a fool. And you guys are just playing basketball by different rules than anybody else. And you're out executing and Jimmy is a superhero and Spo is a super genius. And all of a sudden Kyle Lowry looks like a good basketball player again when he was like embarrassingly bad this regular season and last playoffs. And Tyler Hero's not out there, man. What the heck? Tyler Hero's not out there. Duncan Robinson comes off the bench. Not that he did anyone in anything in this game but he's had a couple big shooting performances Kevin Love off the buyout market is legitimately awesome the undrafted boys like they're just different man the heat are different and uh, we should know by now so we'll see if they can pull it off again game two is going to be interesting that's going to do it for us here today though we will be back after game three of Lakers Nuggets on Saturday reacting to the games that we're going to see over these next two days. So if you enjoyed this one, you can find us on YouTube on the volume page. You can also listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram at nerd sesh, Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. And you can join our discord. If you just want to talk sports with us at any time, that's at the link tree in any of our bios across our social handles. So with that, as always appreciate you guys keep enjoying the basketball because what an awesome postseason this is truly i've been carson brabber i've been logan camden and this was nerd sesh this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.